Let's let's go back to a little split screen action here. Learning how to use my computer. I was in I was in South Bend from Tuesday through Friday of last week. So I'm it's this is day day three back at home and it's it's nice to have sanity back. Yeah, I would say that's too long to be in South Bend. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland once again, and back the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers from my south side of state in beautiful Chicago, Illinois. I'm Mike Fleischman. Joining me from Brooklyn, New York, it's Matt Mellomsetter. Hey, man. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Man, I am I'm real good. I'm back from four days on the road, enjoying a little Labor Day weekend. This is all. This one's my holiday. Uh, I've been a wage laborer all my life. So this this one to me feels like the hol- the American holiday meant for for people like me who you know work for an hourly wage for a living. Uh, so I always make it a point to enjoy this one and glad to see you on it today. It's it's lovely to have the day off. I'm I'm very happy. Yeah, we're we're sitting around. We're doing one more episode before the week one, September eleventh matchup, Packers versus Vikings. We're gonna talk uh, most likely immediately after that game seeing about where we can schedule that. But we want to talk a little bit more about not just what the Packers did to kind of get ready for the regular season and conclude the preseason, but also talk about some uh, higher-level NFL stuff that's been going on, some other key personnel moves. Uh, Packers, I'll start into it. Packers get cut down to the 53-man roster. Uh, A couple of surprises. What was the biggest one for you? I don't know if I'd call it a surprise, but it, it, I hadn't thought they'd do it, and it still shocked me they did, was keep just two running backs. And I think the idea with that is Kylan Hill comes off of the PUP list in week four. Uh, they've been getting Amari Rogers some time, like, out of the backfield and on sweep actions and stuff like that. So I think the thought is is Amari Rogers can kind of fill in in spurts to relieve Dylan and Jones until Kylan Hill is eligible to come back. I'd assume he's back like week six, week seven, but still kind of kind of shocking to just see two running backs and that's it. There was a bit of a fun competition, of course, in preseason. Once you know that you're going to be without Kylan Hill, you have that that matter of who's who's going to play there. We had, uh, yeah, some some fun competition. Taylor Goodson, all these guys coming in and playing fairly well at that position. But yeah, with when you've got two guys that you like. And the Packers have that unique situation in that they have two running backs that they would really like to have, I'm assuming, about 50-50 on the split between those carries. And when you have a situation that you like and you're going into week one with two guys that you're invested in that have that that pedigree and are, are a major part of your plan, it, it gives you that flexibility because if you're looking to a point where you have to start playing running back three, you know, something's gone wrong. It's that classic thing of like, if you have the problem that, that your number one and your number two guy, both of whom you love are not going to go like, that's, that's a, that's a greater issue beyond like, Oh no, we don't have running back three on the roster. I mean, you know, you're already, you're already mixing up a new kind of cement at that point. Yeah. If, if that cement has to get mixed, they can pull up Tyler Goodson uh, from the, from the practice squad. But I think we're going to see something kind of, fun this year where Dylan is the primary like 
ball carrier, and Jones is used to spell him as a ball carrier and functions more in the pass game, kind of swinging out wide and into the slot and everything. He's going to kind of, I think Jones will kind of be more of a gadget player and Dylan will be more of the straight traditional running back role in this offense. Um, but man, I, I'm, I'm really excited for that duo just being on the field every single play. There's so much that you can do with that combination. Jones is a sideline to sideline guy. He has, you know, he's a good ball carrier off tackle. He's very good working in traffic, but he also has has that ability sort of akin to a Dalvin Cook where he can get sideline to sideline, take a swing pass. And I think as he ages and it becomes more to the Packers uh, benefit to try and keep him healthy for the long term of the contract because they've agreed to pay him some money. Uh, the more that you can get him into space and the more that you can get him moving outside of the tackles and the more you can kind of put put the refrigerator man, A.J. Dillon, in between those tackles, I think it benefits the Packers in that you're protecting an investment when you try and move him around more. Yeah, I think Dillon is is so valuable, not just because of the money they paid him, but just as like his skill set is bizarre for a running back and is really only seen in at this level, like, it's like it's like Jones and Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. are the dudes that I would compare him with. Um, and so to have to have a guy like that, you don't want to run him into the ground like the Panthers did Christian McCaffrey and like the Saints have have done to a degree with Alvin Kamara. And so it's getting more more pass catching opportunities like in the slot, running slants and digs and everything. Keep him upright and alive like that, and let Dylan do the the mashing. We, we normally see Dylan be the fresh legs in the fourth quarter to barrel down, but it would be interesting to see Jones be the fourth quarter, fresh legs running back the speed burst guy. Yeah. I, th- I think that the more, the more you plan around being able to have both of those guys able to be a little bit fresh in the fourth quarter and, the more that teams don't know what they're going to be facing and the more that you can make that a coaching decision, it, it's such a good thing for coaches. You know, a lot of the football I see at the high school level, you're not going to see most teams don't have just one guy at the tailback position that they're going to hand it to. You're going to have, have like two or three different guys that want to carry the ball fairly frequently. And yeah, doing it off of jet sweeps and shovel passes like that makes it it very hard to defend because you just can't you don't know what you're scouting for and all of a sudden you put the wrong personnel package out on the field and you're playing like you know one middle linebacker and 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 you know six defensive backs and and AJ Dillon is the man back in the power formation all of a sudden like you know you just don't have anyone you know beyond like three or four down linemen that are going to be closer to his size you don't you don't have anyone out there who's going to be within 30 pounds of him like those are good matchups to export i i love that stuff i love what i was able to do last year and like i said last time we recorded you know the loss of uh dylan in that san francisco game is i think is is the the story that no one talks about in that game that they could not go to him late in that game and could not establish anything on the ground yeah and i think that kind of the the 49ers loss, it it was tough without Dylan, and it also was tough. I mean, the, their whole game plan was to bracket and triple cover Devontae Adams all game, and I think you were talking about it with, with Dylan is defenses don't know what to account for with the variety of packages you can use them in. 
how do you get the right personnel on the field every time for the play call? I think we're going to see something offense this year without Devontae Adams, where if you know he's on the field, he's automatically the first read. You put your guy on it, you you bracket it, you make everyone else beat you. I think we're going to see something along the lines of, like, who knows where it's going every single play. There's no one on this offense outside of Aaron Jones that I would say should see the ball with consistency more than 50 times over the year. It's just who's open, throw it to him. That's what you it's what you have to do. If you don't have wide receiver one, then you've got to have six different wide receiver twos, and you have to have a game plan that stretches the field north, south, and east, west, because you're you're going to have success. Whereas like Devontae Adams has all these abilities to just get open in short spaces and to get open, even though teams know he's the number one option, you're gonna help these guys succeed if Rodgers is able to look left, right, up, and down in multiple different ways on every offensive possession. That's going to be the key to their success, I think. And one of the things in the wide receiver core that I wanted to talk about was a guy that I've never heard of, Samari Torre, who showed up this preseason seventh-round pick. Uh, He makes the team over Juwan Winfrey. Winfrey's on the practice squad. So you have an ability to, uh, to keep him around because he's shown some stuff over, over uh, last season as well. But uh, Samari Toure makes the team and uh, it's curious on your impressions of him. Yeah. I think that Samari Toure making the team is just like a, he's more raw than Winfrey. I think Winfrey showed some like pretty solid route running. Um, he's got good hands. Aaron Rodgers really liked him. Toure is just so athletic and just has kind of an extra gear that Winfrey doesn't have. Uh, Winfrey Winfrey reminds me a lot of like Geronimo Allison type of like mm-hmm. good route running, can get open, can make it, can make the catch, isn't going to do anything beyond that, kind of a safety valve. You've got him on the practice squad. If you know you're going into a situation, you lose Sammy Watkins and Romeo Dobbs and you need somebody that can come up and make easy plays, you've got that. But Toure, I think, is going to be – very seldom seen in this offense, but we'll see a good amount of time on the special teams squad as just like a, the fastest guy on the special teams straight gunner and can come in on offense and kind of crack the top open a little bit. If he has to see the field. Another question in that wide receiver core is of course, Christian Watson getting involved early draft capital spent on him. So uh, what are your expectations for, uh, for Watson really over weeks one through four, what would, what would your be, be your ideal there? Uh, I, I just hope he plays. Yeah. I'm not really expecting anything more than that from Christian Watson to start the year. I think it's, he had knee surgery in the off season. They called it minor, but he didn't really get started until pretty recently mm-hmm. uh, practicing and everything. So I think it's, it's primarily with Christian Watson. It's get him up to speed, get him into shape, and worked out and into the rhythm of the offense and then let him kind of come out at, over the second half of the season. Um, it's a nice weapon to have because he's just, he's incredible athletically. Um, and so that's, that's a nice kind of extra to be able to throw into the offense, a little wrinkle um, week six and on. I think Romeo Dobbs is, is going to be the one rookie that we look at and go, Holy cow. I think Romeo Dobbs is going to lead this team in catches at the end of week four. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll lead the team in targets on the season. I don't, I don't know if he'll lead the team in catches, but efficiency wise, I don't know if he'll be there, but 
yeah, he just gets open like nobody else on this roster can. On the defensive side, Jack Heflin and Chris Slayton are are cut, and Jonathan Ford makes the team. I I expected it to be Heflin, but then again, I was catching Heflin snaps in fourth quarters of preseason games, and that tells you that he can beat fourth string offensive linemen, which doesn't tell you shit. Yeah, I the same thing. I like I like Jack Heflin, and it's just playing against who? It's playing against exactly. Practice, yeah, playing against so, nobodies. Also, you know, you've got Kenny Clark in that position. You like that. You've got a uh, you've got a rookie draft pick, of course, that you you really like there. But Dean Lowry is uh, is back again, and boy, Lowry is a guy that the Packers have really invested time into, and he has he to to my eye, he's always been a C player, just a straight C replacement level defensive lineman, and he just seems to be uh, be a guy that they really like they like having around. Yeah, I. I think I'd put him at C plus to B minus mm. if I had to grade him out. I think he's a slightly above average replacement level guy. I think kind of the thought with Dean Lowry is just like he can play inside and on the edge a little bit, like not full edge for Sean Gary, but he can play defensive end. Um, and so if you have to go to a true like three man look, you can put Lowry out there with Kenny Clark on the, on the nose. Um, and be all right. I I think that weirdly defensive line is one of this team's biggest strengths. And I think that outside linebacking is one of their biggest weaknesses. I think, I think you are right. Another thing that we uh, added to the roster, uh, we as in the Packers management, I again, they don't call me about this shit. Uh, Rudy Ford signed from the Jaguars, a, a special teams guy, which, this team still you 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 bring in Rich Bisakia and we're still like terrified. You and I know you and I both we're just terrified. Anytime the Packers have to line up a special teams formation, so Rudy Ford gives you at least a gunner who has played a ton of snaps on a special teams unit. It's pretty wild. I normally don't believe in like the identity of a team. You know, I believe in it jokingly of like the Bears mm-hmm. are never going to be good. They're the Bears. Of course, they can't be good. The Lions can't top be good. down. Yeah. They're the Lions. It's built into their DNA. That's a joke. I, I I do believe they can turn it around. I don't know if the Packers special teams will ever be good. It feels like there's a curse that's been placed on them. Watching okay. them this preseason has been absolutely brutal and a, a scarier thing to watch than any horror film I've ever seen. I know LaFleur said, like, you know, we're not playing our best guys out there so of course it's going to look rough these are just guys we're trying to see if we have anything in but man that man. still scares me you don't have anything in any of those guys i hope none of them play and that's the thing like when you are when you are down to sort of looking for these these late late preseason first week of the regular season additions of guys to you know provide a gun or like if you have a guy like ford is out there you get him but you know i yeah this this Preseason special teams, you know, it hasn't really shown anyone that's going to be involved. Mason Crosby was hurt throughout the preseason. Riz Ahmed, I thought looked fine as a uh, kicker. Looks like they'll keep him on the practice squad as as they're not quite certain about Crosby. Although with Ahmed being sent down to the practice spot, it certainly seems like Crosby's going to be a week one active. But yeah, so many of these questions need to be answered, and yeah, you know, I I think that this is. Of all the the performance things against 
Lafleur, of which there aren't too many. He's a good coach, but the the inability to organize a special teams unit, like if they can't, you know, and if they can't bring in Rich Bisakia, who like I think is is a guy who's going to end up as a head coach in the NFL again if he can succeed in Green Bay as like a big name special teams coordinator. Yeah, it's he was great with the Raiders after John Gruden was released. Uh, yeah, they uh, seemed fired. to love Yeah, he really provided some stability there and they finished 7 and 5 under him. Yeah, they love playing for him. Um if, if he can't turn it around it is a curse. <laughs> and we need to contact the witch doctor. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know. And I I think we get into kind of the the cornerbacks room and everything like that. It's it's such a top heavy strength with Jair, Eric Stokes, Razul Douglas. I think truly three top ten cornerbacks in the NFL. That's just brutal to throw against. Beyond that, Shamar Jean Charles was was decent in preseason, but didn't break out in the preseason. He didn't dominate the preseason. And so, you know, Rico Gafford. I hoped for some promise there because he's just so athletic and he couldn't put anything together. Um, training camp hero, KB Nanto has finally left the organization. Um, yeah, a really, really top heavy secondary with Douglas Stokes, Alexander, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Beyond that, I'm a little nervous about the the secondary depth. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm curious to see how they perform. And of course, if if you have a situation where Amos and Savage can play 80% of your snaps on defense throughout the season, you're you're never going to talk about it again. But if you have, again get into that situation, and I always wonder if we if we put too much stock in that stuff because I think there are a lot of teams where if you're looking at a second string or third string guy who has to all of a sudden start playing 80% of your team's snaps at any position, you're looking at a team that has you know, has a problem. There aren't a lot of guys, there aren't a lot of teams out there that get to say like, yeah, we really love our second string safety. Yeah, it's, it's fair. One other release that I wanted to talk about was uh, Ty Summers cut on the uh, 28th of August. And it's a guy we've just seen, seen around the Packers for a couple of years. Uh, they liked him when he came onto the team and he just uh, didn't seem to be able to cut it. And, you know, the Packers drafted, drafted to, uh, to cover that weakness and you know, wish, wish him well. Yeah, he he was a solid linebacker for I don't know, two years, three years. Um, At least a, two. Did a decent job on special teams, but it felt like kind of a, a cleaning house from the past special teams. Uh, call it an exorcism uh, of the, the past special teams regime. I don't think we'll miss Ty Summers a whole lot. He didn't add a ton on the defensive side of the ball. And any impact he made on special teams was not really noticeable because of the failures of the whole unit. I think the inside linebacking group of Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, and Chris Barnes, those are three guys I think are starters. Devondre Campbell's an all-pro. Quay Walker has shown a lot of promise and is incredibly athletic as a sideline-to-sideline guy. And Chris Barnes, I think, is a replacement starting-level guy, a, a solid B-minus. I really liked him. He he passes my eye test immediately. Yeah. Pretty much anytime he's on the field, like you rare, you rarely see him just getting absolutely blown out of something. It, you know, he's not a not like a dominant type player, but I've really really liked what I've seen from him. 
I want to go down there. There's a bunch of great games in week one. And I want to kind of go down this list as a way of talking about just the general state of the NFL and some of the stuff we talked about the NFC North last time, but now this is a good chance for us to just take a look at what some of, where some of the other teams are. And so I'm just going to go down this list and we can talk a little bit about where these, these, these teams lined up. Great Thursday night game to start the season off uh, bills at Rams and the bills are looking up. I like what they have at a lot of positions and, you know, of course, the Rams are the Rams. Stafford is back. They, the core of that team is back. This this should be a great matchup to start. Yeah, I the Rams got Allen Robinson over the offseason, which I think is is just a tremendous pickup. He's he going to look gets, so, he's going to look so much better. Oh, my God. He's going to finally get to play with a good quarterback. That'll help. Uh, he's going to. He, yeah. Allen Robinson is going to have a breakout year this year. I'm very excited about that. The Bills are are so, so, so good. Josh Allen's just better every time you see him. It's about as good of a first game matchup as you can have. Uh, starting with the Sunday noon games, Eagles at Lions. And one thing that I said before we started recording is that I don't think that there's a truly, really lopsided matchup in all of these week one games. Maybe there's one or two, but... Eagles-Lions is a good test for both of these teams. A lot of question marks on the Eagles. And for the Lions, it basically means that they get to come out year two with a team that's going to be a little bit more the way Dan Campbell wants it to be. And I think that will be a a really competitive game and a great home opener for Detroit. Yeah, I agree. I think the Eagles want us to take that step up. You know, they've been all right good for a couple of years they haven't been truly dreadful but is Jalen Hurts the quarterback I really like Jalen Hurts I don't know if he's the quarterback I don't know if he's a franchise guy I think he's fun to watch um yeah he's the, the long- definition of intriguing prospect yeah just a a dude that can escape anything and has the arm to make most throws but is he gonna gonna do it he always reminds me of of like young Tyrod Taylor. Like I wonder mm-hmm. if as Jalen Hurts kind of evolves, if he'll because he threw like nine interceptions to 16 touchdowns last year, which is feels like the most Tyrod Taylor stat line <laughs> you can hear. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I just wonder if he's gonna start to work out the kinks of like interception evasive throws just stop throwing any dangerous ones and take the easy check downs and work his work his way into like a 12 year stopgap starter career is a guy that can be always have the promise of like well what maybe one day he'll take that leap and just never quite do it and i think that'd be a great career for him because i think he i think that's a that's a ton of money right there for you brother yeah you like you like a lot of i like a risk taker at quarterback if once they start to learn that a two yard loss is a lot better than a turnover, like yeah. once, once they start to learn that an incompletion is better than an interception, uh, a risk takers tend to tend to really become my favorite guys because they, they make things happen. They force the issue. They play to win. So yeah, that's an interesting, uh, interesting matchup there. 49ers at bears. And this is, this is interesting in that you have a team, a good team in the 49ers versus a real bad team in the Bears. But the 49ers are a, a good team that still hasn't really gone anywhere and are uh, trying, trying some new stuff at quarterback as well, much like the Eagles. Yeah, it's 
Trey Lance, another like really exciting athletic quarterback prospect, a guy that can the Niners used almost primarily as a rusher last year versus throwing the football. I think it was almost split between his passing attempts and his rushing attempts. He's got the arm to make every throw, but God knows what he's going to give you. Who he's, he's played yep. like it's the ultimate test of like how much quarterback do you actually have to play to be good in the NFL? Because he's played like four full games of quarterback since 2019. Like what he played one game his senior year of college and then has come in in spots and one start since being drafted. How much actual quarterbacking do you have to do to be good in the NFL? We'll find out this year with Trey Lance. If it turns out that it's not very much, I'm going to make some calls. Cause I've been I've been looking yes um, about maybe getting back into football. Um, been hitting the weight hitting the weight room. Well, no, no, no. but um eating healthy. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. Uh and the Bears, the Bears are bad, but like I don't think this is an unachievable game for the Bears. Yeah, that's that's exactly why I think it's interesting in that the Bears have something to prove and it's a it's a very unknown squad out there. I, if Justin Fields is able to have one or two seconds to look downfield instead of none seconds to look downfield, that might turn out to be a decent game. Another game that's probably one of the more lopsided contests this this opening week, but is good because it's a rivalry game between teams that hate each other is the Steelers Bengals game. Uh, Bengals were my favorite AFC team of last year. Just so, so much fun to watch that team with Jamar Chase having that breakout season and Joe Burrow looking fantastic. And the Steelers are going to start Mitch Trubisky. So that tells you what, what they're dealing with. But every time they get together, they, they inflict pain on each other. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. If you love bloodbaths, uh, it probably won't be very close. I'm skeptical of the Bengals repeating what they did last year. But I think they'll probably still win their division. Patriots at Dolphins. This is interesting because you're going to see Tyreek Hill as a Dolphin for this first time. Uh, looks like Tua Tagaviola is, is going to be your guy down there. I, that's an interesting combination between a guy like Hill and a guy like Tua because their skill sets in my mind complement each other. Yeah, I I think it'll be so much fun to get Tyreek Hill on like dig routes and underneath stuff and not just long bombs cuz Tua Tua doesn't exactly have a cannon for an arm, but he can be really accurate. Um so I'm excited to see Tyreek Hill used more exclusively for his route running ability, which he's just so good at. Yeah, you have to use him creatively yeah. in order to make it work, but it's another guy where you can get get him into the flat, get him on quick crosses, get him on a quick pick play where all of a sudden he has the ball on the sidelines with the ability to like have a decent angle, and he could cause some real trouble because he can escape. So that's, that's a Dolphins team that I don't expect to finish above 500, but I expect them to be really entertaining. And I don't even know what the Patriots are, are doing this year. It's going to be more Bel- – uh, the one thing I like about Belichick is I'm going to say it's going to be more Belichick nonsense, which means that like he'll run the option one week and he'll run a shotgun spread the next week and then run the flex bone in week three and he'll refuse to explain a lick of it to the media, and we love him for it, actually. Yeah, it, it's um, 
I'm very excited. I think Mac Jones is going to be really good. Is my, I I just think Mac Jones in the Belichick system is just bread on is butter on bread. It's just, it's he doesn't ever have to do too much. You just have to make the simple reads, and you're going to win games because Belichick will have planned everything out for you. Um, and so I, I I think that's I think it's fun to watch. I think it's fun to see the Patriots get another guy that could just be there for 20 years and be really good for a long time. Browns at Panthers, of course. The the this brings me to uh, the only apology that I will ever officially make on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. I said uh, about four weeks ago in an episode in 2020 that I really thought Deshaun Watson needed a change of scenery and that he was, did not deserve with the situation down in Texas. And I, on behalf of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, I completely apologize for my statements in that he sucks and the Browns suck for acquiring him. And they gave away four first round draft picks to get this guy. And they are embarrassing. Uh, yeah, it's... It's a it's a very bad situation, and I hate the Browns. Um, they gave him like two hundred and fifty million dollars guaranteed, unbelievable, and worked, the, and worked the contract out so that his first year, where he would likely be suspended, uh, for his horrible actions, um, so that his salary for that first year would just be a million dollars, so he'd hardly lose any part of this massive guaranteed contract. Unbelievable. Um, and it was not to a cap benefit because they had a ton of cap space this year, and now they will have much, much less next year. I think they have the second most available cap space this year, something like that. Um, so, no, it was not a financial decision to defer the cap hit. Nope, it was purely working with somebody that they knew would get suspended, and they were there to help him out. Yeah, purely to to avoid uh, to avoid having to uh, have this guy sacrifice a salary due to uh, a. 20 plus claim uh, allegations of sexual assault. Unbelievable to see a NFL franchise do that in 2022. Less we talk about the Browns on this show, the better. Uh, Less we talk about the Panthers on this show, the better as well. Not because of any particular problem with them. It's just that they're the Carolina Panthers. Colts at Texans. First game as a Colt for Matt Ryan. That's a good signing for the Colts. They have a lot of good stuff going on on both sides of the ball right now. They're an exciting team. And uh, I like the arena that they play in because I get to work there once or twice a year as well. Yeah, I like the Colts a lot. I think Matt Ryan's a really good pickup for them. They've got a great offensive line, a good running back behind him. Michael Pittman's fun. Um, there's a chance that Paris Campbell turns into something this year. They've got they've got a decent wide receiving room. They've got a good defense. Like this is a good situation for a 37 year old Matt Ryan. About as good as it gets. Get Lovey, the best running back yep. in football. Lovey Smith back in the NFL, head coach of the Houston Texans. Lovey Smith is a guy who has struggled to win consistently at any level, whether it's uh, college or the NFL, but also a guy that players like and a guy that uh, that is going to uh, has never never really had scandal around him the texans need a guy like lovey smith he's kind of the guy that they could get that you can bring in and he's not going to be hated so for the texans it's a uh it's an it's a decent enough move to just get that franchise to just settle the waves down a little bit yeah 
in a, another year to see if Davis Mills has anything. Kind of a surprising rookie season. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. And they get to they get to find out if he's got anything or if it's kind of a fluke season Gardner Minshew type of thing where this guy doesn't have the juice to be a, a career starter, but he's kind of fun. Saints Falcons is a fun one. I think this one could be one of the most entertaining games of week one because I don't know which one of these teams I'm talking about, but one of these teams could end up being really good this year. And I, I think it's probably the Saints, but I think that you have a, some good possibilities there. The Saints defense is, is really solid, and if Jameis doesn't go full Jameis, I think they'll be kind of a fun offense as well. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas comes back off injury. I really like Chris Olave, the rookie wide receiver they picked up. He's who I wanted the Packers to draft this year. Yeah, I, I, I think the Saints have a possibility if Jameis is, turns the ball over 20 times and not oh 30 God. times. They can win nine games. Yeah. If he turns the ball over 10 to 15 times, oh, buddy. Oh, man, yeah, they might win crack a bunch. double digits. Uh, Ravens at Jets. Uh, Ra the Ravens continue to be, I think, one of the more interesting offenses in the league with Lamar Jackson, who's uh, an utterly unique talent in the NFL. And I expect, I expect the Jets to be bad. But again, it's a division rivalry game, so I expect it to be close. But I like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens quite a bit. And boy, they need they need to get they need to they should be no learning by now about like what Jackson is capable of and trying to put a team around him. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Like Lamar Jackson has the insane MVP season, and he's just kind of been trending downward statistically ever since last year he got injured and missed a good chunk of time but it it just feels like every time i watch him and i see him struggle it doesn't feel like his fault for struggling it feels like he's put in something that isn't benefiting him i think one of the big kind of reasons around that is a lack of of running back talent yeah i feel like Their the offense. ravens should have more guys that i've heard of yeah it's they're their whole offense is centered around running the football and they've kind of eschewed uh, wide receiver talent. They shipped off Hollywood Brown. J.K. Dobbins comes back. The oft-injured J.K. Dobbins comes back. I think he's a superstar when he's healthy. And we'll see if he can get through a, f a full year of being healthy. That, that would be the biggest addition they could have made to this team all offseason. The Jets don't deserve any of our time on this podcast. Next game doesn't really deserve time for us either. Uh, the Jaguars at the Commanders. I thought for sure, and I'd wagered this on Twitter, I thought they, Washington was going to name the team the Washington Justice and have like the pillar, you know, Hall of the Supreme Court be like their logo. And I thought that was going to be the thing that they were going to do. But they went with the Commanders, a uh, much more martial naming scheme there, which makes sense if you're football and you're a dumb meathead like uh, Dan Snyder is. Uh, we, when we took our week off for the entirety of the 2021 season, we missed out on the urban Meyer Jacksonville Jaguars, man, which <laughs> would have been fun to talk about, uh, an utter disaster. Uh, I think like 
I think we we've we've been reminded so many times that upper echelon college football coaches are not qualified to coach to coach in the NFL. Urban Meyer, yet another example of that. And there's so many reasons why, but I'm just curious, like on your on your take on the the Urban Meyer experience last year. Yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't transfer the skills to be good at college football don't transfer to the NFL where you're dealing with grown men who make more money than you. You can't, you can't be an old school, hard headed. You're going to do this. Like I tell you to do it. You have to talk to them like they're adults. That's why Matt LaFleur has done so well is going into meetings going, okay, guys, what do we like? What do you want to do? Yeah. Let's and- build the offense together. Urban Meyer didn't want to do that. Also, you know, he was getting lap dances at, at bars and stuff. So he was he was doing his own weird shit. Well, here's the other thing is that, like, I, you know, it's it's cool to have a good time. I, I, I really want to, you know, it, maybe his idea of a good time is outside of my idea of a good time. But, like, if everyone's consenting, it's cool to have a good time. But if you're a high-profile guy, you got to keep it low. you got to keep it low. And I'm really surprised that Urban Meyer didn't know that you got to keep it low. Yeah, it's you got to keep it low, especially if the person you're getting a lap dance from is not your wife when you're mm-hmm. out yeah. and you're an NFL head coach. That's going to be an issue when you go into the into the room on Monday. Yeah, yeah. You can't have your players memeing you to death. Yeah, you, <laughs> you can't. That's you why. Gotta, yeah, you got to keep it better than that. It's terrible. They got to respect you. That's yeah. number one. Before any knowledge of the game, your players have to respect you and want to play for you. And yeah. then the knowledge of the game comes in and urban Meyer had neither of them. Yeah. NFL teams are not made out of like, you know, there's not like you're not, when you walk into the Jaguars locker room, you're not walking into like a room of 53 saints who have never cheated on their wives, Yeah, but you still gotta, you gotta not be mean to death. My goodness. That was unbelievable. And you know, the other thing about college is that you do not in, in the NFL, you do not get to be a complete authoritarian. Like however you want to appear in college at the end of the day, you can bring a player into your office and say, you're done. And they have no more scholarship and you kick them out the door and they're, uh, they're done. Like the buck stops with you. Uh, the NFL does not work that way. And if you lead with the assumption that it does, you will fail. Yeah. That was that was one of my favorite parts of the last season. It's just Urban Meyer's immediate downfall, immediate yeah. crumbling. I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence. We'll see how he does this year. Um, I think they'll be just so much better than they were last year. Yeah, un- unsuited unsuited dinosaur coaches are are something that we're talking about a little bit right now in Chicago, in, in as far as the Major League Baseball goes. Because yeah. you have Tony. Tony Larosa down in down in the White Sox, which just I I could have I could have told you, you know, if you would have hired me as a consultant to for that coaching search that ended in the hiring of Larissa, my only bullet point that I would have returned was don't hire Tony Larissa. <laughs> yeah, and, that that would have been it. Yeah, the times are shifting. It's it's you know, Mike Zimmer leaves the Vikings because his old school hard headed approach wasn't meshing with the players anymore. It did work at the beginning, and not many of those same dudes are still in the room. I find it it's curious. Just an aging yeah. out. I find it curious too that it's not precisely an aging out. Players like Andy Reid, 
players are waiting for Bill Belichick to call their agent. Yeah. These guys are old as shit. <laughs> but they're doing something that works with 24 to 30-year-old NFL players. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder how much of it has to do with, like, A, Bill Belichick wins, Andy Reid wins. Yeah. But also, like, they both seem like good dudes to their players. I don't know if I ever got the vibe that Mike Zimmer was like a really nice guy to his players outside of like the coaching spectrum of, of, you know, I feel like I always read and see stories of Bill Belichick inviting people to his wedding or like going to players weddings and like going to dinner with people and doing things like in the, in public outside of the facility with his players and being nice to them and calling them and everything like that. And that's, it's the respect thing, right? You can be yep. an old hard-headed guy if your players respect you for it and you give them respect back. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, how much, uh, how much of those, those two things of like you know, Belichick and Reed win and their players like them. Like, I, yeah, I wonder which is causing the other precisely. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think those two things are, are very, very related uh Packers at Vikings we've talked a, a bit about that matchup of course like this is a, a I think the toughest division game that the Packers will play all year is at Minnesota and it that's a great week one matchup too because we need to know some stuff about the Packers right away and it's a great time to have the Vikings first game under a new head coach uh typically those I don't I don't really know but you feel like that that feels like this game has the possibility of of going uh, lopsided in either direction. I don't know that this is a close game. I think it's either a pretty decisive Vikings win or a pretty decisive Packers win. I don't know how you feel about it. I I think more than anything, it'll be a a ten point Packers win. Is kind of the vibe that I get. I a first game out for a coach is either going to be like so scripted and perfect or it'll be so scripted and perfect from the coach that when he gets the counters, he doesn't know how to shift and counter it back. And then they lose the script and lose it all in spiral. Um, and so it'll be intriguing to see what Kevin O'Connell is. Uh, and I, for the most part, I really like this Vikings roster. I really like Kirk Cousins in the scheme of it, of like total slightly above the Andy Dalton line. He can get, he can get you to the playoffs. He can probably win you a playoff game. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Kevin O'Connell does with that offense because I don't think you need to mess with it much. You know, yeah, yeah. I think about like Matt Nagy coming into the Bears. And like Matt Nagy was like, he, he put all the Scrabble pieces into the box, shook them up, dumped them out on the table and like tried, tried a new really until the double doink, no senor Parky. But uh, um, until that moment, like Matt Nagy was, was thinking about offensive football in an entirely different way. And it was working. I'm sure. I don't think that you want to do that with the Vikings. I think you want to line cousins up in the shotgun and give him a, give him a three wide receiver, one running back, look yeah let him throw it 35 times a game yep let dalvin cook run it 10 to 15 times a game you're set that's your that, that's your script that's your plan giants at titans um 
I like I like Mike Bravel's Titans quite a lot. Uh, I don't give a shit about the Giants, so curious to curious to see if the Titans can continue uh, continue being that tough AFC team that I like about them. Yeah, they're just smash mouth, fun football. Ryan Tannehill has had a good resurgence. He had a down year last year, but I I still think he's a top half quarterback in this league. Maybe at his peak, like two years ago, I think he was a top 10 guy out of, out of nowhere after that disastrous Dolphins start to his career. Um, yeah, I like the Titans. Derek, Derek Henry's back. AJ Brown's gone, but Traylon Burks is, is a very similar build to AJ Brown. So we'll see how he works out. He was a guy the Packers were kind of linked to a little bit. Didn't slip to us. That's fine. Raiders at Chargers. Uh, Chargers are the landing spot for Khalil Mack. Uh, gives me another chance to make fun of the Bears because you gave away every draft pick you have for three years to get Khalil Mack, and then you trade him for a second and a sixth, I believe, to uh, to the Chargers. Yeah, I don't know. Good job to the Chargers for pulling it off. Oh yeah, that's a you know you you are you're paying under uh, under market value for a guy like Mac, who, even if he had, even if he has 75% of what he had three seasons ago, that's a good pickup. He's good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. The chargers are already really good. Justin Herbert's electric. Uh, He's been fantastic to watch another. There are so many young quarterbacks in this league. And then there are so many young quarterbacks in various stages of being a young quarterback. Because you've got you've got your your Burrows and your Herberts and like your guys who are really coming into like a, a role that they know is theirs. You've got your feet, your fields and your lances and and such kind of coming in in unproven situations. You've got you've got guys who have kind of been passed on and are getting second looks in places. It's a it, a really and then you've got guys who are are completely established and already like all pros at that level, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, still a young quarterback, despite feeling like he's been down to the chiefs for, for forever. Now, like I, I love the quarterback situation in the NFL right now. I think it's part of what keeps me coming back. Yeah. There's it's in almost every one of these games, you can turn it on and watch somebody who's electrifying. Hey, Bucks, Cowboys, you get Tom Brady and Dak Prescott. Packers, Vikings, you get Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. Raiders, Chargers, you get Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. And Derek Carr's good. It's not super exciting, but he's yeah. I refuse to be excited by Carr, but all the same, good quarterback wouldn't uh, you know, wouldn't cut him. Um, Chiefs, Cardinals, Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray. Even if Kyler Murray isn't studying, he's playing Fortnite instead. He's still fun to watch. Titans, Giants, not much there. Uh, no, not much happening. Jags, Commanders, Trevor Lawrence, can he turn it around? Ravens, Jets, Lamar Jackson, Patriots, Dolphins. Mac Jones is – I like Mac Jones a lot. He's not exciting. Colts, Texans, nothing exciting there. Like, most of these games have either two really fun, exciting quarterbacks or at least one, uh, which is – it's it's good. It's It's – there's always going to be teams stuck in quarterback hell like the Bears that are just going to cycle through and cycle through and cycle through, and maybe Justin Fields will break that mold. Do you think he'll work? Do you think he'll he'll have five or six good seasons as a Bears quarterback? Not as as a Bears quarterback. <laughs> 
I I think I I think he's in such a shitty situation with their offensive line and their like wide receiver talent and I David Montgomery's fine. He's not enough to prop up an offense and Mooney's good but kind of disappointed a little bit last year with his expectations. I think he'll bounce back but like Velas Jones Jr is such a strange pick. I didn't really I didn't love that. I, I, it's just such a terrible situation for Justin Fields. And I, he's somebody that I hope can finish his Bears tenure out alive and with two working legs uh, and then go to somewhere and have like kind of a Ryan Tannehill re-ascension of like, yeah, he had all the talent. He was just in the shittiest, dumbest franchise that didn't know how to do anything. Chiefs at Cardinals, you talked about that a bit, of course, that that is a Kyler Murray versus Patrick Mahomes matchup there. Uh, Chiefs with all their offensive stuff, really, you never you don't talk much about what they do on the defensive side of the ball, but they've been good on the defensive side of the ball, have good contributors there. Cardinals never know what never know what they're going to look like week to week. That's been a, a franchise that refuses to have any sort of consistent identity. Yeah, it's the Cardinals are such a good typically like a good first half team Mm -hmm. and they don't make much adjustments in the back half of the season under like Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Um, Who knows how much that has to do with the franchise having to write into Kyler Murray's contract that you must study at home. You must look at four hours of tape a week and you can't do it while you play call of duty. Uh, They took that out of the contract, but I think, just the idea of that is enough to kind of understand like, Oh, this is why Kyler will start out really hot and then fade as he has to play division teams a second time. And people get the book on them for the adjustments. Yep. Uh, Uh, The chiefs, they lose Tyreek Hill. They lost some weapons. I think, you know, Juju Smith Schuster's kind of their big off season addition along with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, They got a couple double name guys, which I really like. I like when names hardly fit on jerseys. I think it looks funny, and they have two of them. Uh, I think Valdez Scantling's a good option for that offense. Nobody likes to throw the deep ball more than Patrick Mahomes, and nobody can do – Marquez Valdez Scantling can only do one thing, and it is run the deep ball. The Chiefs so, heads into Chicagoland petition to bring back Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Yes, I want I want a five-name guy. We need to unlock the the newest level. Uh, and Juju, you know, he's, he's been down, but how much of that is playing with 85-year-old Ben Roethlisberger throwing with his offhand? You know, I, I think he could be really good in this offense. He he does he runs a lot of routes really well, and Andy Reid is one of the best creative wide receiver users. Buccaneers at Cowboys. Dak Prescott uh, is is back. There's and he was coming into last year with a lot of question marks. Uh, Tom Brady is 50 years old. He, Tom Brady is has become, I think, the strangest American sports figure that we have. He refu- He defies explanation. He's he's so bizarre. Uh, he's still good, but. I don't have any trust in him to do anything this year. Like I, if you were to ask me if I thought the bucks would win the Super Bowl, I'd say, Oh, absolutely not. And then in the back of my head, I go, well, now hold on. 
he's going to find a way to throw 18 straight eight yard outs and win the game every single time. And I go, sure. Yeah, I guess, I guess he might, I don't know. And I also don't really understand his like branding. He's like, tb12 brand and like his like athleisure brand and everything it's just a bizarre his hurts ads frustrate me to no end he's just everywhere yeah he's he's a a very very strange strange figure and i can just never quite figure out what it is he is is doing and he remains like a, a good quarterback. You can see that the, uh, at 44 last season that he's not even like it's it's scary to think about like Tom Brady in his prime at 38, 37, 38 with the Patriots. But uh, yeah, his like at a certain point, like whatever he's taken is really working because he's still a really effective player. And I don't know, just the the ability to have the drive to do it at 45, like. You know, something's something's weird up in his brain. And at this point, like, you know, I've I've never been a Brady fan. I've, I've uh, I, I know uh, I know a guy who coaches in the South Bend area whose uh, only like real claim to fame when he was a Notre Dame player is that his one sack and at Notre Dame was of Tom Brady when he played at Michigan. So. You know, I've always kind of kind of high five that guy for sacking Tom Brady. But, you know, it's it's become just a grudging respect where you just tip your cap. Just be like, I don't know what you're doing, man, but keep doing it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Broncos at Seahawks. Oh, boy. Uh, NFL. NFL is booking like a like a professional wrestling out, outfit here because uh, uh, Broncos pay a king's ransom to get Russell Wilson. You take one of the best deep ball throwers that the NFL has ever seen, and you send him to a place where the ball goes further. Holy fuck. Yeah, and where their whole wide receiving core is really good at running fast and downfield. Jerry Judy is, is so quick, and he, he's great on underneath stuff, but he's he's terrific on the deep ball. Cortland Sutton's a big body guy that can go deep. Uh, yeah, I, I think this Broncos offense is is really well suited to Russell Wilson. This is This is, yeah, this is, primetime reality tv matchup and and if you're the seahawks you know of course there's a lot to be said about trading russell wilson being smart here's why it's not smart is that uh you're talking about the quarterback competition between drew lock and geno smith that's not something that any nfl franchise wants to talk about uh, no you you should call the philadelphia eagles right now and say can you send me Gardner Minshew? i'll pay whatever you want um there's it's the Seahawks are going to be in 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 hell for years now. Russell Wilson, for whatever it's worth, he'll never. We'll we'll see if if he runs a different offense in Denver. I think most likely he's just going to be running the Russell Wilson offense, which is boundary only, good amount of improv and throwing deep. We'll see that Broncos new head coach was the Packers offensive coordinator last year, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. So we'll see what Hackett can get Russ to do. And if Russ is in a West coast scheme that looks similar to what the Packers have been running, I think they will be incredible on offense. 
I think Russ can do that. It's it's a question of whether he wants to or not. Yeah, he's another guy that I've had just a, a begrudging respect for because he, he came into the NFL seemingly just out of a uh, out of a vat. You know, he, he came with you imagine that like, you know, him at eight years old being asked like his very first question by like a member of the media and him coming out with like a, you know, both teams hard, played really hard. And I'd like to thank the people at Bose for making it possible. <laughs> you know, like just yeah. about, you know, it just seemed like he came out of a uh, he came out of a writer's room. And it's it's been it's been tough to kind of gauge him as a, you know, as as a person because he seemed so ready to play the role of a celebrity, and yeah, I I, I tend to like people who are a little bit more uh, wrinkled than uh, than that for sure. But all the same, like it's it's a Tom Brady situation where he's been at it for so long. He's uh, he's won some big games against the Packers. <laughs> he's played great in so many very very clutch situations he finds a way to win he creates bullshit on the field like i you know more so than brady i think wilson has kind of won me won me over into an actual fan instead of just sort of a begrudging admirer situation yeah i my one thing with russell wilson is when's the last time he won anything of of substance when's the last time the seahawks had an offensive line yeah, sure. It, it's we'll 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 see what he does in in Denver. I think it's a way better setup, and I'd I'd like to see if he can kind of will them to success. We similar to Kyler Murray, we always see Russell Wilson kind of have a crazy hot start to the season and fade off to the end of the season. And I've always wondered, is that a Pete Carroll issue? Because I'm not a Pete Carroll believer. No, me neither. And the, I mean, the state of their offensive line for the last four years that Wilson was their starting quarterback is, is really the only reason why in that it's a war like, crime, like just, just put invest, like you have to, like this guy will win you games. Like you, if you put him out there on an Island, he's just going to get injured and mad at you because he has so he has these abilities to like, even when things break down to make things better, like you have to either draft or sign people who can keep him upright and not be like, you know, they're trying to convert offensive guys into defensive guys, defensive guys into offensive guys, like all these Pete Carroll ideas. It's just like, man, you gotta, you gotta go back to just this, the, uh, a much more simple idea of sign a guy that can play fucking tackle. Yeah. Go look at the Iowa Hawkeyes depth chart drafts their tackle. Yeah. Draft look those guys. Look at the the Midwest Corn Boys draft uh-huh. the tackle, the guard, and the center of whatever team you like. You'll be all right. You'll be passable. Um, yeah, I, I when Russell Wilson was requesting a trade, and we were unsure if Aaron Rodgers was going to come back to the Packers. My dream scenario was: well, if we got to ship Rodgers off, let's call up Seattle. Let's see what Seattle has to say about Senator Russell Wilson over here. We can just swap them straight up. We'll be perfect. Because I would love to see Russell Wilson uh, back in Wisconsin in some green and gold. I think it would have been incredibly exciting. Now, I'm, I'm very glad that we have Aaron Rodgers back. I would prefer that we had Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but Russell would, Russ would have been a, a fun quarterback for the Packers. Those are your week one matchups, and I think that does give a pretty good good overlook of where 
where teams are. I'm curious to see what you think. Is there something that uh, that we've missed in this rundown that stands out to you about the last like four months of of off season, preseason NFL stuff? Um, not really. I think Browns and Panthers, another another classic NFL, giving us the the reality TV mismatch. Baker Mayfield, the new starting quarterback for the Panthers, playing against his old team that chipped him off after signing a the worst man in the NFL um, at the moment. I'm sure he'll be usurped very soon. But for the last year, the worst person in the NFL. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's a fun one. Baker's gonna be gonna be out for blood. I I wonder if he still has his his insurance commercial money coming in or. If you lose that when you go to Carolina, yeah, I'm I'm, like I'm you, curious to see if they shoot a uh, shoot a new new part of that. I'm curious to see if Aaron Rodgers is is doing that same insufferable State Farm commercial thing. Yeah, I which one? All of them. Okay, cool. <laughs> the entirety of it. Yeah, I I where they had him like doing characters last year, and it was just like you can just see that like playing into Rodgers' weirdly developing ego. Where he's like the guy with the acoustic guitar, like, hey man, buy insurance. I like ooh, didn't like that at all. Um, I have a I have a couple a couple of, of sort of wild card questions. How many games is Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders? Seventeen this year. And we'll talk about next year. Okay. Yeah, I also think that he makes the entire season unless unless something entirely non-football related comes up to uh to cause him to lose his job, but uh I I was not surprised to see him get a second chance and I was not surprised to see it that was Mark Davis giving it to him. Yeah. Because I, I think th- I think those two are a match made in heaven. Yeah. I it's it's two two big egos that get to clash and scream at each other but only scream about themselves. I think that he has to make it one year because the Raiders have to understand that they need some form of stability. Your guys really liked Rich Passaccia. You decided he's not good enough to be a head coach. He went seven and five with no notice of taking over the offense and defense, but he's not good enough. You have to, they're not going to, they're not going to say we were wrong, I guess is, is what I'm saying. If Josh McDaniels is bad, they're not going to admit, ah, we messed up. Let's start it over. One more question. And this one is something that I've been wondering for uh, six or six or seven months now. Does Peyton Manning want to run for president? I, yeah, I think he does. I think so. I don't know that he's quite up for it, but I think he's at least thought about it because and he's lining himself, and I'm going to get up on a, a soapbox just for – I'm going to take half a step up onto a soapbox. You know, he's aligning himself with a lot of things that are essentially functions of the state. Like he's endorsing insurance, which like is, is basically a privatized version of a service that the state should provide to a society. And you know, he's aligning himself with sort of mandatory things and also like the biggest you know, businesses and entertainment things because you know, he's got like Disney ties – and he's really tied into some of the absolute biggest corporate interests in in the country right now. And I think that's like 
you know, in our society, that is how you acquire power. I just don't know that like with the current flavor of the voters, you know, I don't know that he can appear appeal to liberals because I don't know that he quite has a reach to the coasts in, in the way that he might imagine that he does. And I don't think he wants to say what you need to say to be a Republican on national stage. I don't because he seems to want to drive the car right down the middle of the road. And so I, I think that, yeah, I don't know that he, I don't think there's a path for him to become president, but I think he wants to be. Yeah. I like the Manning cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty engaging. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a revelation. He's, he's not, uh, you know, just some, some of his, uh, you know, some of his alignments, you know, he's aligned with stuff that I find to be, you know, like in the insurance industry, not, not something that I would, you won't catch me endorsing that, although they haven't offered me yet. So who knows? Sure. I'll, Hey, look, everyone has a price tag. I've got one. I'm sure. I, I, I know that I have one. Um, what I think he, I might actually know what it is on mine, on my side. Oh yeah. It's mine. is very low. Mine's a little bit higher than most mainly because like I already get to live in, in relative comfort as a man in my forties. And, you know, I have a job that isn't actually a, a fucking job. <laughs> so like, I literally talk about sports for a living. So it like, I, like there's, you know, it's, you don't have to offer me money to get me moving into a, into a way of life where I, I do something fun instead of something that isn't fun, but all the same, like, yeah, there, there's a price at which I start you know, telling you how great Allstate is. Yeah, my soul is for sale. So Geico, uh, <laughs> come chat. Uh, I'll do whatever you need. Um, uh, yeah, one last shout out. I certainly hope Amazon with their cast brings back the scout feed with uh, with Bucky Brooks. And uh, um, I forget the other two that were on that. It was, I think it was Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah, and I forget the third. I only remember those two because I used to listen to their Taylor, uh, Zach, Zach. Uh, Zach Taylor's little sister, not Jonathan Taylor's little sister. Maybe. Oh, yeah. But uh, that those three were awesome. And I'm very sorry to the name I'm forgetting. But uh, I love that on Thursday nights. What listening to those three talk about uh, talk about the game. And from that perspective, I think I think more NFL broadcasts need a unfocused, non like non action of the game commentary added to it i think that's the future because it takes it takes the sort of podcast relaxed fit format that you know i know we like it we we try to do something very similar and it, it applies that to an actual game action and i think i learned more about players and the way the nfl goes about its business and the way games are managed from those three than i have in years of listening to troy and joe yeah, Troy and Joe are just bad. Um, it's Joy Taylor, Joy Jason Taylor. Taylor's sister. Yes, uh, formerly of Dolphins defensive end. Really good. She's she's fantastic. Yeah, she's, she's really so good. good. That's that. that's why I felt so stupid for forgetting. Um, and I, the other stream is the Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer stream, which is also very very good. I've not listened to way. that one. It's really good. They they do a little bit of the podcasty stuff, a little bit of like regular play by play in color. They're both so knowledgeable, so much more fun to listen to than whoever bland Troy Aikman clone robot is on the main feeds. Yeah. Both, both of the Amazon counter feeds 
for Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime are, are terrific. And I hate saying it, but great job, Amazon. Yeah, they really made some good hires there. Uh, Bucky Brooks played a season for the Packers. I wasn't familiar with him as a player, so I kind of I'm listening to his voice and and kind of the way he talks. I assumed he was a big guy, but no, he's a little guy, a special teamer. Uh, I think I think wide out, but mainly a special teams guy. So uh, Bucky Brooks talks like a big guy, thinks like a big guy, is a little guy, and uh, that's a fun combination. Big fan of that. Those guy. are my favorite guys. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's our pre week one episode of Cheeseheads in Chicago land. Yeah. You and I are going to get, uh, get on the stream and I just haven't, you know, we might, uh, I think, I think talking set Sunday right after the game is best. This is stuff that doesn't need to be on the damn podcast, but yeah, I'm, I gotta be out of town for the rest of the week doing, uh, doing sports stuff. So I'll try to keep the, uh, keep the beers to a, to a limited amount during the actual games so that I don't, don't sound, sound completely drunk when we do these things. I've only been drunk for one episode of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the one I recorded when I was in Vegas. Oh hell yeah! So, okay. so we'll try. Yeah. To, we'll try and keep. Yeah, yeah, we'll try and keep that number to zero. Um, uh, further episodes where I'm completely drunk. So yeah, that's uh, we'll we'll do that after uh, week one against Packers Vikings. Matt, fantastic talking to you, and until next time. Stay cheesy, baby. Mm-hmm.